And as Tony comes up, I want to introduce to you Tony, who, as I said, mentioned right when Jeremy left, I'm available. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, so I want to introduce you. This is Tony. Everything I said about him is true. His name is Tony. Wow. All right. Wow. What He's a great inter- He'll introduce himself. Wow. All right. Well, John, uh, you set the bar low. I don't have much to... To rise up to, so that's good news this morning. That is great news this morning. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning, both in person and online. Um, Something has changed since the last time I was up here. It's been about three and a half years since I was uh, last up front here, and most notably, it's the bright lights. I think the online stuff, we must have to, I don't know, whoever's doing the camera better try to get my good angle or something, all right? But like I said, it's been three and a half years since I think I was last up here. Um, it was Pastor Jeremy Bauer and, and, and his family's first Sunday here at Countryside. And so I suppose it is fitting that I would be speaking in his spot while he's overseas serving our men and women in uniform. And as I look out, I've just been, uh, I've been amazed at how bad of a job I've done at meeting some people. There's a lot of new faces in here. And so I look forward to meeting some of you soon. Well, as John said, my name is Tony Weedle. Uh, I'm from Canton. I'm married to my wife, Erin, for the last 17 years. We have one daughter, Isabella. Uh, She is in seventh grade at Elyria Christian School. And here at Countryside, you will see me often in the sound booth as a part of the worship team operating behind the scenes, or you'll see me down at the end of the hall uh, facilitating a Christian formation class. And so, like John said, uh, I said, hey, if, if you ever need a break, let me know. And so he reached out and said, hey, I need you to speak. And so I said, John, what do you want me to speak on? And he said, it's up to you. So I'm sorry for what's about to happen, but it's all Pastor John's fault because he didn't give me a topic other than he, he pointed me uh, to the lectionary, which has us in John chapter 20 this morning. So we're going to spend time there in the last half of the chapter Um, Pastor John, last week, if you remember, he spent some time covering the first part of this story, and I'm going to read it again because it sets the stage for where we're going to head this morning. So the outline is simple. We're going to read some scripture together, and then I'm going to share my journey or my testimony about where I've uh, been the last couple of three years, and then going to do about three or so takeaway points from the, the life of Thomas that we read about here, and also I think they're evidenced in my testimony this morning. So let's read God's word together, starting in verse 19, John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again in that same room, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said very specifically to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Then Jesus told Thomas, he said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet believed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you so much for your living word, what a gift it is to us. Soften our hearts this, this morning, open our eyes and ears to hear that specific message that you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, have you ever heard a story that sounded so crazy it, it couldn't have possibly happened as it was described, right? Does a story come to mind for you, right? A really crazy and unbelievable story? Well, I know I've had several of those uh, experiences, and so I can relate to Thomas this morning in a lot of ways because the stories that I've heard are really much like, and I responded much like Thomas did. No, I can't believe. I doubt this. I'm just not sure it could have happened the way it was. I can also relate to Thomas because he's not perfect, and yet he loves Jesus. Like Thomas, you'll find me isolating myself from the rest of the group, letting my mind wander with all of the possibilities. And like Thomas, you'll find me having serious doubts about unbelievable things because I'm the type of guy that has to see something to really believe it. And finally, like Thomas, I want God to meet my expectations for belief rather than trusting in his promises and his truths. Maybe some of you here this morning can relate to Thomas. Well, like I said from the beginning, I want to share my story with you. I want to share my testimony over the last three years but before I get started, I want to start with this short disclaimer, and it is short, but is important. I am chief among sinners, all right? I say that because I don't, I don't have this all figured out, and you're soon going to find out that I don't have it all figured out, because there's a lot of things I don't know. But I share my journey with you this morning because I believe we're called to live life together, to, to share our doubts, to share our fears, to lean on each other when unbelievable events confront us and to embrace the unknown together. From 2013 to 2017, uh, as John mentioned, I was on the leadership team here at Countryside, and for the last three of those years, I was the chairperson. And during that time, we had lost three pastors um, at our church. It was definitely a time marked by transition and unknown. And yet it was a time when I saw God, at, God most at work here at Countryside, in this, in this fellowship of believers, but also in my life personally. It was during this time that I began to explore this idea of maybe going to seminary. I felt a nudge. I felt a, a, a calling possibly from the Holy Spirit to explore this. And so in one of our lunch conversations that I had monthly with Pastor John, I said, hey, I'm thinking about this. And he encouraged me to reach out to North Park uh, Seminary, the Evangelical Covenant Church's seminary, and just explore their program. And so I did. I went online, and it didn't take long before I quickly felt defeated after reading all of the requirements and things that had to be done. I thought, there's no way that I can do this. I, you know, I'm the breadwinner for my family. I can't quit my job. There's no way I can work full-time and go to seminary full-time. And to top it all off, there's no way I can afford this tuition at a private university. And so even though I felt this nudging from the Holy Spirit, I put it on the shelf and I ignored it. Fast forward to this time last year, in fact, it was shortly before the pandemic got a grip on our country, uh, the superintendent of the Midwest Conference, Tammy Swanson-Dreheim, she was up front here on Sunday uh, delivering the message. And I knew that Tammy was going to be here because John had called me, um, as well as others, uh, to join the staff and leadership team uh, with Tammy for lunch after the service. Now, I've been asked to a lot of lunches, and i got to be honest, I didn't want to go. And I thought, well, I'm not on the leadership team anymore, so I don't really have to go. And uh, so I did the passive or peacemaking move, maybe, and I just did an RSVP to Lynn like I was supposed to, right? 
I just thought, oh, I just won't say anything. Well, God had different plans because when I left the Christian formation class I was a part of, Lynn caught me in the hallway and she said, Tony, are you going to join us for lunch? And I said, Lynn, Lynn, I'm so sorry I didn't RSVP. Darn it. You know, I'm sure you don't have enough food. I'm sure you, you know, you might not have a spot for me. And uh, does anybody in here know Lynn? You're all laughing because you know she had plenty of objection or plenty of reasons to overcome all of my objections, right? And Jerry Rogers, I don't know if he's here. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, we were walking out together and he said, Oh, Tony, I'm going to this lunch. Come on, it'll be fun. Great. Now I'm going to a lunch I don't want to go to, right? But the spoiler alert is this lunch was fantastic, and it was fantastic for two reasons. First, I had the opportunity to sit next to Tammy's husband, Kelly, who is in the insurance business like I am. I'd met Kelly before, and and I left this conversation much like I had left the last conversation with him. He was a a man of great passion, uh, not only for his career, but his family. But the other thing that stood out for me was, was that he was a champion for supporting his wife and loving on her and caring for her as she was here at this church ministering to us. And uh, I certainly learned a lot uh, from Tammy and Kelly in their relationship together. Uh, Sadly, since uh, they were here, Kelly contracted COVID-19 and he lost his battle against the disease. And and I got to say, just during those short interactions I had with Kelly, you know, both of those interactions were truly a blessing to me and something I would have missed out on had I not have been at lunch that day. Now, the second part of the lunch featured Tammy speaking about all the updates of the Midwest Conference. And one of those updates was a new program called Equip. It's a partnership between North Park Theological Seminary and the Midwest Conference to format seminary education for working adults. And as Tammy began to describe the program, literally every objection I had come up with before when I was looking online by myself, nearly every objection was overcome. Affordable, check. Designed for working adults, check. Minimal travel so I'm not away from my family, check. Learning as a part of a a community with other people, check. I could go on and on, but the point is this. Had I not gone to lunch, I would have missed that opportunity. Had I isolated myself and not been a part of community on that day, I would have missed out on much. Much like Thomas missed out on when he wasn't with the disciples in that first encounter with Jesus. So after lunch, I went home. I was armed with this flyer, and, and I was excited, and I went home to talk to Erin, and, and I sat next to her, and I showed her the flyer, and we talked about all the various details. And as you can imagine, she had some mixed emotions because she knew that in the past I had felt this desire to go, but I had put that on the shelf, and so she had kind of forgotten about it as well. Well, you know, we, we talked some more, and, and um, I guess I would say we were both apprehensive. She was apprehensive, and so was I, but we were both excited. So we began to, to think through some more questions, right? Can I balance all of this with work and, and all my other commitments, and will I still have time to invest in our family, and can we really afford it, right? All those kinds of questions. But ultimately, it was Aaron who told me, you know, this is something, Tony, you should do. But I still wasn't convinced because the fear of the unknown was just keeping me from being willing to take that step forward. Now, for those of you who have taken a personality profile test before, you know that they can be very revealing, right? And one of those uh, tests that you can take is the Enneagram. Now, it's a very complex uh, personality profile, but in its simplest form, it lumps each of us into nine different categories. Well, I'm a big old number one. I'm a perfectionist. All right, I have to have everything figured out before I step forward. So embracing this idea of the unknown is hard for me. 
Oftentimes, I think people think I'm being pessimistic or a doubting Thomas because I'm always trying to figure out the ways in which it won't work. In reality, I'm just trying to understand where this is going to go so I can anticipate and I can, and I can fix the problems that are going to come up. And then I come up with more problems and I get on this hamster wheel and I just can't ever seem to get off. So I talked with several other people about this opportunity and, and most of them were encouraging, but I still had a check in my spirit. So what do you do when you're kind of in a crisis and you, and you don't know what to do? You call your pastor. So I called John and I said, John, you want to go to lunch? We hadn't been to lunch for a while. And he said, sure. So I began spilling my guts in the Brahms dining room. Now I can tell you Brahms is the best place to have a really in-depth conversation with your pastor, right? But there we were and we were talking and, and he didn't, after listening to me for 30 or 40 minutes, he gave me this illustration and I wasn't taking notes um, so if I get this wrong, he can correct me next week. But he gave me this metaphor of the three-legged stool, a three-legged stool for discernment. And the first leg of that stool is, am I called? Is God calling me to do this? And I felt like, after thinking about it a little bit, that I had to answer the question yes, because you know, earlier uh, in, the, or in the past, the Spirit was nudging me to do this, and then once again, this opportunity came up, and I didn't want to go to lunch, and yet I was there, and, and, and I just felt like the Spirit's again setting up this opportunity, opening the door for me. So I feel like, yeah, I'm called. The second leg of the stool is, am I gifted, right? Am I gifted? And sometimes it's hard for us to see our gifts, right? But John was quick to point out, as were, were many others, that there are some giftings that I might have. And um, so I had to say, well, okay, yeah, maybe I do have some giftings. And finally, the third leg of the stool is, am I affirmed? And I've already kind of mentioned this, but almost everyone I talked to affirmed me in this decision. Now, that's not to say that some people didn't have some questions, some doubts, um, really pushed back on me from time to time, but most of them were affirming me in this decision. Well... As you figured out, I applied for the program and I was accepted. I'm in a class with 30 other folks from around the Midwest Conference. It is the most diverse group of people I've been a part of, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. Joining me on this journey are two other people from here at Countryside, uh, Amy Brunk, who is our children's director, and Kelly Morrow, who is our uh, youth uh, ministry director. Um, we're on this journey together, and I can promise you it has already been filled with twists and turns and challenges and many unknowns. On a side note, one of the things that I'm really excited about, and um, I don't know, I think Kelly, yeah, Kelly's in here. I won't look at you, Kelly, when I say this, but one of the things I'm excited about is I'm excited about hearing from Amy and Kelly sometime soon. They are both, they're gifted teachers, they're gifted communicators, and so I look forward to the time when I can be out there uh, with you learning from them, them as they're up front here teaching, teaching us on a Sunday morning. So what's next? When Amy and Kelly and I were meeting last week uh, for our study session, Amy asked me, she says, Tony, what are you going to do with this? And, and it's a natural question because in our group of 30, 25 or so of them are already in full-time ministry. And there's five of us who are lay leaders, right? So I'm kind of the, the outlier, if you will. And so you know, it's a natural question. What, what are you going to do with this? And um, I said, I don't know. I really, I don't know. Maybe I'm being called to ministry full-time, right? Maybe I'm just being called uh, to be uh, in this program in this time to, to uh, equip myself, pun intended, but right, build myself up, learn more information, have more knowledge, so that way I could be a more effective Christian formation facilitator. Maybe I'm being called to be bivocational, 
where I continue in my secular career, but I'm also a chaplain or a part-time pastor or something like that. And maybe, just maybe, I'm having a midlife crisis. (laughs) But as Kelly was quick to point out to me, she said, Tony, if this is your midlife crisis, you're in a really good spot. So, um, as you can see, I simply, I don't know. I just don't know. So what do we do in these times in our lives when we don't know, right? When we've heard an unbelievable story or, 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 or we have doubts about something or we feel God calling us into the unknown. My intent or my goal for this morning for the remainder of the time we have together is not to answer very many questions for you. My hope is that you, you'll leave here this morning um, with, with a thought or a question or something to reflect on as you leave this place. So I want to share with you three things that I've been learning over the last few years of my journey, and I think we see them evidenced in Thomas's life as well. My first question for you is this, are you going through life in community, or are you living in isolation? Who are you meeting with weekly to build up your foundation of faith? In our story from the Gospel of John this morning, Thomas wasn't there during the first encounter with Jesus. Like we mentioned, when Jesus died on the cross, Thomas's world was shattered, right? Surely he thought the worst. Now the text doesn't tell us this morning, so we don't know what was actually going on, but I can imagine that Thomas was no doubt discouraged and depressed, right? He wasn't there because he was maybe brokenhearted. But whatever the reason for Thomas missing the gathering on that day we do know that Thomas missed much because he wasn't there. A commentator shared this, and uh, it's a sermon in and of itself, but I wanted to share um, this perspective of what Thomas missed. And there was five things that he missed. In verse 19, he missed the very presence of the Lord, right? In verse 19, he missed the power of the Lord because Jesus came through that locked door. Also in verse 19, Thomas missed the peace of the Lord of the Lord, that peaceful greeting that Jesus gave to them, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Thomas missed in verse 21 the promotions of the Lord, right? Because Jesus sent out the disciples from there. And finally, Thomas missed out on the uh, provisions of the Lord because uh, Jesus breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. I told you when I was contemplating going to seminary for the first time, I did so mostly in isolation. And as I told you, I'm the person that has to experience things. You know, you can, you, you can hear a statement or you can believe something to be true, but, but it's another to, to actually experience it and fully understand it. And I'm beginning to learn more and more every day that isolation is Satan's most favorite place. It's Satan's perfect world. When we're all alone, it's Satan's voice that begins speaking to us the loudest, So how do we combat this, right? How do we combat this? Well, the good news is, step one, we're all here together, right? We're worshiping together. We're learning together in community. We're welcoming new members here this morning. And that's great. But I also think it goes much deeper, right? Who are we meeting with on a weekly basis to have those important, in-depth conversations with each other? For the last several years, I've been meeting with at least one person, currently meeting with several people, and and I can promise you these moments are the highlights of my week, because these individuals are investing in me as I'm vulnerable with them, and in turn, hopefully and maybe, I'm investing in them in some small way as well. Now that I know what the objection is going to be, right, we live in America after all, we're too busy, 
right? But Tony, you don't understand. We're too busy. Well, I want to share with you what I have going on in my life because I'm too busy as well. Not as busy as a, as a mom staying home taking care of four or five kids. I'm not maybe that busy, right? But I am busy, okay? Because I'm a father and I'm a husband and I'm a business owner and I'm an elected official in, in the city of Canton and I'm a firefighter and I'm going to seminary and I even found time this week to write this message, right? We're all busy. We're all busy. I get it. I understand. But I make meeting with people important each individual week because they invest in me and it's an, it's an encouragement and I can't, I can't overemphasize it. Sometimes it's something that you just have to experience. But when we're not in community, we miss out. Thomas wasn't in community and he missed out. When we're not in church together, we miss out. When we're not in discipleship, discipleship groups together, we miss out, right? When we're standing on the sidelines of, of our calling, of our faith journey, we're missing out. We're the ones that are missing out. Now, it was interesting today. Um, this morning, I started preparing for the, the Christian formation class that I'm a part of, and, and we're reading through um, Foster's book on um, the spirit of the disciplines, and the, uh, the discipline that we're on is solitude. And all at once, I began to feel like a hypocrite because I planned this message this morning to talk about how important it is to be in community with each other, and I'm going to do that here this morning, which I have. And then down the hall, I just got done saying how important it is to be in solitude with God. <laughs> right? So I just, ah, right? But I suppose there's some truth, right? If, if, if I'm in solitude over here and, and, and not having any community, or if I'm a type of person that has a lot of community but no solitude, right? Both people are in imbalance. And so somewhere in the middle, we have to find this healthy balance between solitude and community. The second question I have for you is this, are you embracing the unknown or are you staying where it feels safe? You don't have to look very far into God's story for us in Genesis chapter one that we find out that God's world isn't static, right? You know, there's evening and there's morning and God is creating the world over six days and, and now we've come to know that the earth moves and, and that there are four seasons, there's winter and spring and summer and fall, right? God's world is always changing. God's world isn't static. So why is it then that we are so paralyzed with this idea of playing it safe? In American culture, we want to know the outcome, don't we? We want to make a specific plan. We want to consider all the available alternatives. We may even want to buy insurance to protect our risk. But we want to do all of these things because we want to be secure. We want to be in control. We want to have the outcome already set out. We want our hands firmly on the wheel, and we want to be in control of our own destiny. Hebrews chapter 11. It's a chapter that reminds us of all, not all, of the biblical faith heroes that we find throughout Scripture. And it's such an encouragement to me as I think about stepping out into the unknown because it's in Hebrews chapter 11 where we're reminded about Noah who built a boat on dry land and ultimately ended up saving all of God's creation. Or we read about Abraham who was, who was comfortable and, and he, he had a nice place to live with plenty of livestock and yet God called him to a place where he would receive his inheritance, right? And he went and he left. And then we read about Sarah, right, who struggled to have a child, right? And her and Abraham, they messed up a lot of things. But what she never ultimately ended up giving up on was her faith. And as they continued to step out into the unknown, they ended up having 
that child that God had promised to them. And we can read about Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua and Rahab and Gideon and Samson and Samuel and King David. I mean, we can read about all of these people right here. Because God's love story for us is set up so that in the midst of daunting challenges, we can be encouraged by the faith heroes. So what about Thomas this morning? Thomas gets a bad rap, I think. I think Thomas gets a bad rap because he didn't always play it safe. He certainly didn't play it safe when we read in John chapter 11 when when Jesus wanted the disciples to come with him to go and see and raise Lazarus. Right At that time, people wanted to stone Jesus. They wanted to kill the disciples. And, and so the disciples were afraid. And what did Thomas say? Out of the 12 of them, Thomas was the one that said in John chapter 11, verse 16, he was the boldest of them when he said, let us go that we may die with him. Let us go that we may die with Christ. Thomas back then wasn't afraid to step out into the unknown. So why do we play it safe? Jesus didn't come to earth to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, and as we celebrated last week, to miraculously rise from the grave for, the grave for us to sit here on the sidelines. Right? I challenge you this morning to evaluate and explore what's keeping you from entering the unknown. And I'm with you on this. I already told you, I don't, I don't know where my journey is going to go from here. Right? But I'm doing my best to embrace the unknown. Finally, this morning, and this this point may seem to be the most obvious point because we're in church, but it is the most important point of the message this morning, and that's this. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you do, how healthy is that relationship? I've already told you, I'm chief among sinners. I do things constantly to, to... to draw, me away, draw myself away from my relationship with Christ, and yet time and time again, the risen Lord is right there waiting for me. He's right there waiting for each one of us, each and every time. It's the times of my life when, when I've been most discouraged and most depressed. Those are the times that, are, that when I look back, I see that my relationship with Christ has been the coldest. I was challenged the other day by one of the people that I meet with. They said, Tony, you're, you're busy I said, yeah, I'm busy. They said, you've forgotten to remember to just simply be with God. To simply be with God. And we know this to be true in our relationships, right? We can be busy and going and going, and sometimes we just need to be with that other person. And so we're reminded this morning that we need to simply be with God. I'm so much more joyful when my relationship with Christ is strong. And we see this expressed right in the scripture this morning because Thomas said in verse, verse 28, after he saw Jesus, he, he, he proclaimed, my Lord and my God. Right? Notice he doesn't say, like the disciples referred to, him, to Jesus earlier, the disciples said the Lord, right? The God. No, Thomas says my Lord and my God. Right? It points us to this, this relationship, this, this invitation that each of us have the opportunity to have. As John's been preaching over the last several weeks, Jesus loves you, right? Jesus cares for you. Jesus wants to be in relationship with you. And it's out of an abundance of this relationship with Christ that each one of us can have the courage to embrace the unknown. So, where have we been this morning? I want to wrap up here and and just do a, a brief summary on three things. First, 
Doubt is not the opposite of faith, but rather I believe is an essential, it is an essential ingredient. Doubt is not the opposite of faith, but rather I believe doubt is an essential ingredient to faith. Bring your questions and your skepticism as well as your insights and trust to your own Christian life, but remember to do so in community. Number two, realism is an asset to vibrant faith, right? Authentic realism, being real about something, that, that's an asset to vibrant faith. It's okay to plan and prepare and envision for the future, right? Stewardship is a good thing. And yet at the same time, we have got to be able to embrace the unknown. We can't possibly know how everything is going to work out. Be inspired by the faith heroes that we read about in God's love story for us. Be encouraged because as we read in our passage this morning that we are among those who are blessed for believing without seeing. And finally, and most importantly, Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. Just as Thomas proclaimed, my Lord and my God, so too can you make that same proclamation today. Be encouraged by that, because it is the most joy-filled relationship a person can ever have. Let's pray together. Gracious God, I thank you so much for your perfect character, that you're, that you're compassionate, that you're slow to anger, that you're rich in love. God, I'm also thankful that you're a forgiving God and that you meet us right where we're at. And that all it takes is faith as small as a mustard seed to say, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to have relationship with you. God, it is the most joy-filled relationship. We know that. And we desire, our heart's desire this morning is to be in relationship with you. God, encourage us as we leave this place to be in community with each other, whatever that may look like. Help us to know the, 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 the importance of leaning on each other and investing in each other. And finally, God, we know that things are changing all around us. Help us to know and embrace. Help us, help us to have the courage, rather, to embrace the unknown. Help us to trust in your promises, to trust in your truth, and to abide in your love. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.